Let's start recording. Recording in progress. <clears throat> I want us to get um <clears throat> I want us to get our Bibles. I want I want to ask that we turn to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And uh we will begin reading at verse 1. Are we all here? If you are, um, can you please type amen or a thumb emoji? I want to know that we are all present or uh, any emoji of your choice. <clears throat> okay, thank you guys. <coughs> As I've said before, and I, I want... I have to put us in remind uh, remembrance. Excuse me, because I'm sick. Um, uh, <coughs> um, it's cough, man, and uh, allergies and sickness all combined. Uh, no, Second Corinthians chapter one. Peter said to the church, um, he said, "I I uh, put you into remembrance." Okay. And <clears throat> some of you might suspect that if if I repeat myself, it's because I have nothing else to say, or I'm forgetful. Although I am forgetful, um, I tend to know some of the things that I preach on very uh, repetitively, and uh, or I might say things in passing, um, and it's because I want us to be informed on this. Um, repetition is what creates habits amen uh, that's for someone right now um i really feel that by the lord um you wonder why things haven't become habits and it's because you haven't made very much repetition you have to continue to repeat for it to be ingrained within your very dna and once it's ingrained in your dna it becomes second nature right it just becomes who you are and you you have you do it without any difficulty <clears throat> but nonetheless um repetition is what helps to ingrain into our minds because we have the habit of being forgetful and do you know that the bible attributes um doing the word with remembering the word james says be not a forgetful hearer all right and only hear the word he says, "Be not for, be not a forgetful hearer of the uh, of the word." So, and he equates that with not doing the word. And so, many times we have to continue to hear the word preached to us and some of the same topics, in order that we are confronted with it and eventually obey it. <clears throat> Does that make sense? And uh, one of those things that I, I wanted to mention. Um, just there's a number of reasons why I think it's important for us to know why I continue to ask for feedback. It's not because I'm some insecure individual and I need applause. Um, amen. It comes from the Greek, uh, word amen, and it simply means let it be. It, it's an admission of agreement. Um, so when you say amen or amen, Right, you're essentially saying "let it be" or "so it is" or 
You're basically coming to agreement. So when you pray a prayer unto the Lord and you say amen, it makes no sense to say amen to that which you disagree to. Right? And so this is how I know either you're not listening or God isn't speaking or you're offended if you don't say amen. <laughs> um, now, you might say it and not type it. In which case, that's also good. If you're saying it and not typing it, and here's the thing, you can type it and it doesn't matter to me. What matters is if the word is being proclaimed in truth and the Holy Ghost is speaking and there's an agreement in your heart and you let it be known, right? You say amen unto the Lord because if you can say amen out loud all day and pretend, but if it's not within your heart, that's not going to bring that word sown into your heart is not going to bring any form of fruit and so Amen. all the point that i'm trying to make and 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 it, it doesn't have to you know i'm not i'm not saying that we all have to right the point i'm trying to make is if there's no amen in our heart what that what happens is there's dissonance in the atmosphere and that creates disconnect and then what that then produces are heavens that become brass that is to say the heavens are now impenetrable and there's no flow of grace to the meeting if if everybody in this meeting was in complete disagreement then I, I I would just close the laptop and just go get some more sleep or something because there's no point in continuing to administer the word if there's no agreement in heart and so I, this isn't on the uh, um, the assumption that we're not in agreement, but I state this so you know why. If I ask for feedback, what what the backdrop of my asking is all about? Okay, and and I think this is a good educational point too, right? Because sometimes it's like uh, you know what? Because I've been working with kids a number of years in my life. <clears throat> high school, juvenile hall, um, so on and so forth. Always, you know, I love the youth. I love helping out with the youth. And I asked this question, even to many adults. I asked them, what's the purpose of life? And isn't it interesting? You can live 20 years of your life, 20, 20 years of life, and not ask, what is my life? Amen. Sometimes we have to be confronted with the obvious because we don't think about the obvious things. Amen. And one of the obvious things is this. We say amen all the time, but do we really know what we're saying when we say it? And do, you know, do we know the implications of what it means to say amen? Okay, so with that said, um, <coughs> there's also another, forgive me, that there's, it's not an announcement, but it's some preliminary remarks that I wanted to make before we actually get into the text. Um, and the preliminary remark that I wanted to make is, um, in case you guys happen to see my uh, message there on Telegram, I wanted to add some clarification. And the reason why I wanted to add some clarification to it, because misconceptions are easy to fall into. And misconceptions and assumptions are the breeding ground of the devil. They're the breeding ground of the demonic. If you, miss, uh, if you don't fully understand your husband or your wife 
or uh, there's miscommunication, guess what the devil's going to do? He's going to exploit that. Amen. Or between another brother or another sister. Um, miscommun- this is why I try to be as t- articulate and clear as possible so there's no margin for a suspicion or wonder or maybe he meant this. No, I mean what I say and I say what I mean. And I'm not perfect at communication. None of us are. But it's always my purpose to be as clear as possible. Because I believe that freedom abides in the light. And there is no light if there's no clarity. We serve the God who is the God of light. God is light and in him there is no darkness. Amen. And and here's the thing. Um... I, I'm not going to shy away from being truthful and honest because people trust those that are honest. You may not always like what I say, but here's one thing I know. No one can point the finger and say, that's a dishonest man. Amen. Because if if dishonesty is attributed to an individual, then what happens is the word of God is now discredited. And so I can't afford the word of God to be discredited. So with that said... The clarity that I wanted to bring was that um, <clears throat> because there was a statement made and and here's a really, really big point that I, I think is very important because we, we in a day and age, there's two extremes and we're creatures of extremes. We either say unity, unity at all costs or we, or we want to divide about everything with everybody and neither are healthy. There's a time to weep and a time to laugh. There's a time to mourn, a time to dance. There's a time to divide. There's a time to unite. And the how we answer that question to figure out when is the appropriate time are to figure out what are the dynamics that are surrounding um, the question in view. Okay? And the, the, what, the thing that I wanted to bring clarity about is just because a church building has, or a church uh, down the street, or a church, you know, wherever, says we're the church of so-and-so. And even if you come into full agreement with their doctrine, it doesn't mean that you should come full agreement with fellowship. And here's the reason why. Is how can there be fellowship with, with certain places if they don't have proper fellowship with the Father. The Bible says that, um, it says that if the blood, he says, uh, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. If we abide in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sins. He says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. So that must mean that if there's a brother or sister not walking in the light, don't matter what you claim on paper, don't matter what your denomination is, don't matter if you're First Baptist, Reformed, Pentecostal, don't matter who you are, what none of that. If you yourself are not walking in the light, I can't walk with you. Amen? That doesn't mean if you struggle. It means that if you are in open rebellion, there's corruption in the church. There's people living double lives. It doesn't matter. You're not in the light. Okay? And so that is one occasion for why we might, even if we're in agreement with their doctrine, disagree with them and disassociate. Okay? Um, and so because there's, there's the extreme that I think I, I want us to avoid, and it's unity at all costs. 
It's not unity at all costs. It's truth and love at all costs. And sometimes, you know, here's the thing, our love for God must undoubtedly be greater for, uh, uh, than our love for our brother or love for our sister. The only reason why we love our brother or love our sister is because we love God. Because if I didn't love God, which is only predicated upon his love for me, because it's not that I love God, but he first loved me. If I don't love him, I ain't going to love anybody. You get what I'm saying? I was just kind of one of those guys. I didn't love anybody. But the love of God changed my heart. And the only way I can love my brother or love my sister is because I love the Lord because he first loved me. Okay? And so truth divides. Truth divides. And there are some things that are non-negotiables. If a church don't speak in tongues, I don't want to go. I don't, you might be loving, you might be so kind, but you can't, you don't have anything to impart to me. And that might sound proud and that might sound arrogant. But I know that there has to be the anointing of God that is brooding in a place because I'm not into social clubs. There are much better things to do than to attend some religious social club that only gives TED Talks and you leave worse off than you came because you came hungry and you left off starving and disappointed. Amen, somebody. Amen. I am not going to shoot, run through hoops and play this religious game and fake it till I make it when it's undoubtedly and obviously the case that in some places you go, God ain't there. God ain't there. And don't be mistaken for a moment. Now this is what I want to teach you guys, my brothers and sisters. Do not be mistaken that just because it says a church, that God is present. Remember, Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock, not at the heart of the world. He says, I stand at the door of the church and I knock on that door if you will let me in. And you know what Jesus did? He threatened. He says, I will remove your lampstands. In other words, I'm no longer going to endorse you. You're on your own. And you may be alive. You may be appeared. You have a reputation in your life, but you're not. Isn't that what Jesus said? You have a reputation that you're alive, but you're not alive. You're dead. Amen. And one other point I wanted to make. There were seven churches. Only two out of seven didn't get rebuked. What condition do you think we're in today? You can't displease the Father and make his house a den of thieves and think I'm going to participate Amen. I'm good because there we are clapping our hands singing praises and God ain't there and he would throw over Jesus I'm sure if he was in the flesh he would throw over some tables that's the part of Jesus that we don't like and now I understand people can take that to extremes and that's the only view they have of Jesus and that's wrong but don't be mistaken, my brothers and sisters, that that is nonetheless an expression of the Jesus who is meek and mild and who receives children. <clears throat> so I hope I hope that is clear um, because and here's here's it will be a freedom for some of you because some of you feel like you're being legalistic or you're being judgmental. 
And you need to be liberated from that self-guilt and that self-condemnation that just because someone doesn't uh, uh, relish the presence of God like you do and have a hunger level like you and want the purity of the word like you do, that somehow this, you know, somehow you're the bad guy. Because I've been there. When people are making a mockery in the house of God, then I feel bad because I don't know why they're not questioning themselves. And then I start, am, am I insane? Am I the religious one? I know some of you guys have been there. And so, <coughs> um, with that said, <coughs> I, I want us to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. Um, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. Now, I just want to stop there real quickly. Paul said this in Galatians. He says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, not by man nor through man, but by Jesus Christ. Okay, Th that is crucial. And this kind of goes in relationship to what I was saying already. is because sometimes there are churches that are not called of God. There are, quote, men of God that are not men of God. They're men of the people. And they have these tactics, they have these little schemes and these, these things, they have marketing skills, they're businessmen. They're men of business, not men of God. Now I'm not saying that you can't be a businessman, but here, here's what I'm saying. Don't bring business to the church. Don't make the church a business marketing place. Okay, Amen. that's what I'm saying. If you're called to business, my brother, my sister, be the best businessman. If you can make millions, make millions. Hallelujah. Amen. If you're called to business, my brother, my sister, do it with excellence, thrive at it, fall headlong into it, and be the best businessman you can be. If you're called to a minister and you're not called to business, you're called as a minister. Now, there's some ministers that are called as businessmen, too. We like these cookie-cutter, black-or-white little things, right? Because we're afraid of change and we're afraid of what's new. Okay? So, uh, you don't cookie-cutter people's lives. Because their calling may not look like yours. And yours may not look like theirs. And that's fine. It's more than fine. We're doing the will of God. Paul was called as an apostle by the will of God, not by the will of man. Amen. And we have to make sure that what we're doing, we're called by the will of God. It's his will. It's not the devil's will. It's not your will. Um, it's the will of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the point that I was making is that there's a lot of self-willed, selfish, and, and religiously ambitious people that go out that try to do things in the name of God but haven't been endorsed by God and what happens is there's no grace back in their lives so when they pray when they administer the word there's no presence none at all <clears throat> and that's why you know you could get sister so and so to try to sing a song and the presence won't come. There's sister, a brother or sister so-and-so over here where every time they sing, the, the presence flows. Why? Because they're called to that. 
Amen. You want to know if you're called to something? Is the grace of God back in your life? And it is it producing fruit? Not results, because results and works don't equate to fruit. There's a difference. Amen. Have you ever noticed that? Paul says the works of the flesh are manifest, but the fruits of the Spirit are manifest. Fruits and works are not the same. But nonetheless, uh, he says, To the church of God in Corinth, together with all his holy people throughout Achaia. <clears throat> what's what's it important about this verse? What's important is that Paul is saying, look, you guys are the holy ones. The Greek word is hagias. That means you have been set apart by the Lord Jesus. You are holy. And the only interesting thing is that the Corinthian church had a bunch of problems. Um, unfortunately, you had a guy committing incest. He was sleeping with his stepmom. You had some of them getting drunk with communion. You had a lot of religious pride. And yet, nonetheless, Paul addresses them as holy ones. That doesn't mean that he was blind to their sin as if, you know, he, he was just, you know, acting like he can't see, right? But positionally, that's who they were called to become. And see, some of you guys are despairing because your lives don't completely reflect the Lord Jesus. But you have to understand that positionally, you're holy in Him. You've been set apart. You don't belong to yourself anymore. See, some of you are trying to get right in order for Jesus to accept you and to receive you. But He receives you, and then He cleans you up. Amen. Verse 2, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Aren't you thankful today that we have peace from the Lord Jesus Christ? Amen. How terrible of an introduction would it be if he said wrath and justice from the Lord Jesus Christ? <laughs> I don't want to read that letter. I'm good. <laughs> no. Um, he says, peace and grace from our Lord Jesus Christ. The world can't give you peace. Amen. <clears throat> it can try to mimic it. You know, there's a sad thing I've seen um, on, because um, I follow this page. It's a, it's a, a, a local, um, I'm not going to say what county it is, but it's, it's, for, it's education. Okay. And, um, you know, it posts school stuff and everything. And they had this event where they're posting these guys, I don't know who they are, but it was like saying something, become one with nature and yoga. And it, it was just, it's it's repulsive. It's demonic to think that in these secular schools they can push demonism, but they can't push Jesus Christ and for obvious reasons, right? Because they're not starting with Christ. They're starting with demonism. But yoga, from my understanding, Assume, teaches some form of, I don't know, enlightenment or peace and, you know, good vibes. But at the end of the day, there ain't no good vibes. You're inviting demons. But how many of you are thankful that when we come to the Lord Jesus Christ, there isn't a false advertisement? The advertisement is true and reliable. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, uh, Sister Norma said oneness with self. See, the answer isn't oneness with self. 
It's it's oneness with God. Jesus yeah. prayed. He says, I, I, I pray that they would become one even as I and the Father are one. We need reconciliation to God. That's the solution to the plight of humanity, to the problem of humanity, is that we've become one with everything else. You know, I remember one minister some years back, I was listening when I first got saved, and I, I, I couldn't help but laugh. He says, you know, we have uh, everybody trying to come in contact with Mother Earth. And he said, uh, for those of you that are all into nature and Mother Earth, he says, there ain't no Mother Earth, there's only Father God. He says, next time you're sick, go, ha go out and uh, hug a poison ivy <laughs> and call on Mother Earth. <laughs> I know he wasn't being serious, but, he, you know, he was, he was making a point. And the point is there's no healing in hugging trees. Amen. You know, and some Christians today need to uh, repent of that environmentalist zeal. I'm not saying let's go out and destroy the world, but, you know, they're like, I don't know. They're, they're um, let's just put, let's just say, that, you know, their political views are out of whack. Um. <coughs> <laughs> verse 3 praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort so Paul here is praising the Lord and when we praise him we're giving him the fame and the glory that is rightfully due to his name see this is why you know as I, you know, as I mentioned in the churches earlier I'm sorry, but I just can't be a part of something where everybody looks like mannequins. Everyone's stiff, you know, and it's, you, you, you wonder if you walked into Forever 21 with a bunch of mannequins. <laughs> Don't throw stones at me for the rest of you that didn't laugh. Um, <clears throat> but I'm serious. The reason why is because they're not taught to praise God or they're living in sin. And so they can't praise God. I don't know how you can clap your hands and, you know, sing and dance and shout if you're living in open. Who are you praising? Is it just the hype? Are you just a dancer by nature? What's the problem? See, or Catholic masses, right? It feels like a stoic atmosphere in there. See, the God is uh, see our God is the God of the living, not the God of the dead. The Bible says He He says, "Let the redeemed of the Lord say so." It don't say, "Let the redeemed of the Lord silence their mouths," uh, or "Let the redeemed of the Lord uh, glue their lips together." It says, "Let the redeemed of the Lord." He said, "Lift up a triumphant praise unto our God." See, you, you, you people don't understand this. You know, someone was trying to tell me the other day, I pray in my mind, and now forgive me if this offends you, but you just don't see any biblical examples of praying in your mind. That's meditation. And there is a, there's a biblical meditation. There is. Don't get me wrong. And there's a place for that. Okay? Now, the reason why is because when we speak things, we, look, <clears throat> Even the dark realm knows this. When they administer curses, 
that curse goes into the air. And it remains in the air until it can stick. Now, you might say, where is that at in the Bible? There's many things that aren't in the Bible that are true. Mathematics isn't in the Bible. You learn how to read English, that wasn't in the Bible. You know how to do your taxes, or at least I hope you know, you, or you report the IRS. Where is that in the, in the Bible? Right? Now, taxes are, but how to do all that stuff, you have to learn through everyday life. And there are some things, such as science, that's not, the Bible's not a scientific book. Okay? Amen. We're wanting to, we're expecting the Bible to say something outside of the genre that it is. It's a theological book. It primarily explains God and explains man. Okay? Now, so with that said, when you speak, when people administer curses, those curses, because you're, you're, administ you're admitting breath and language, and that breath and language is air, and air goes out into the air. This is why the Bible describes the devil as the prince of the power of the air. How does he work? He works with lies. He works with curses. That's how he works. And so we as the people of God, the reason why it's imperative for you to speak is because you too are administering blessings and praises in the air. This is how come you can have a blasphemous thought into your mind, but God doesn't record it in heaven because you cut it off and you don't speak it out. Amen. Amen. See, some of you are like half, you're like on the border of California and Mexico. Like you don't cross fully <laughs> with your prayers. You just stay stuck in the head, but you don't ever speak it out and pray. You're about to pray, or you're like, I felt like praying today. No, you have to pray. You have to praise. You have to worship. What did Job say? He says, you know, the Lord gave, and he, took, he had taken away. He says, but blessed be the name of the Lord. He praised God. And see, this is what the devil wants. See, there is not a single person in the scriptures that were, was stoned for blasphemy in the heart. They were stoned for blasphemy with the mouth. Amen. Jesus says, when you pray, say. Now, <clears throat> I'm going to move beyond that point, but the point that I'm trying to make about that is that we need to be people of praising God, of worshiping the Lord. See, some of y'all got drunk in the world, got high, went to bars, went to clubs, went, or maybe some of you didn't do that. But nonetheless, the point that I'm trying to make, if you have and you were louder back then, or maybe you're loud for a football game or loud for the Olympics or loud for your, your uh, son competing in a football game or something, which is cool and it's good. I'm not saying it's bad to be excited for athletics. But if you don't translate that to your praise for God, then what's wrong? Amen. Amen. <coughs> we need to make our praises known. Uh, his praises known. Yeah. And you know what it does? When you speak it out, other people can hold you accountable to that. And that's why a big reason, a big reason why speaking it out is important. 
because you can be praising God one day and then if you're if you're like living a double life your neighbor's like yo I thought you were the guy that was <laughs> that was singing those hallelujah songs amen <clears throat> but he says praise be to God and father of our lord Jesus Christ so Paul is praising the Lord for a specific reason and the reason for this is what says the father of compassion and the God of all comfort you know um, some people in the world they go to sex for comfort and there's comfort in it um, it comes at a price but there's comfort in it some people who aren't married as Christians they want to just turn on the stove and not bake anything and they'll cuddle with their boyfriend or their girlfriend and uh, it's like you're watching someone go in the kitchen turn on the stove and you're like what are you doing uh, i'm just uh, i'm just turning on the stove what are you cooking nothing <laughs> so you're turning on the stove for what see some of us are turning on the stoves because we're trying to find comfort. But here's the thing. When you have found comfort in the Holy Ghost, you don't need comfort from women, from men, from Amen. anything else. And I get it. It's easy. But God hasn't called you to easy. God has called you to faith. God has called you to holiness. God has called you to himself. God has called you to do the impossible through him. But isn't that what we want at the end of the day? Amen. How is a life worth living if everything I've done in my life was accomplished, but it was easy? I don't think we are excited about I don't think you were excited about that in the world, in whatever it was. You know, I've seen one of my... Uh, this guy that I have as a friend <clears throat> on Facebook, he's a gang member. And it's unfortunate to see the, 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 uh, just the animosity and the hatred that they have towards the opposing gangs in, in my city. And he posted something. He said, uh, if the ops aren't making songs about you, then what are you doing? And he posted a song on the stories of the opposing gang dissing him on on their song disrespecting him on their song and the point that i bring that up is this some people want to want to just be amateurs but in that case the, the 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 example that i'm giving he's boasting about his his quote excellence in in uh in stirring up the pot and getting people to hate him because he's obviously doing something quote right in his little world right and and you know whether you're a skater or you're a dancer or or you're uh, or a soldier, isn't it not soldiers who take pride in their medals of risking their lives and being heroic and all this stuff? Well, it's because there's something noteworthy about sacrifice, uh, such a sacrifice that distinguishes you from other people. Yeah. And we praise it if if the pursuit is correct. So. When we come to the Lord as Christians, is it not desire a desirous thing to say, you know what? Not in order to get saved. 
Not in order to make my name great. But because the Lord Jesus has done so much, I don't want to just give him the bare minimum. I don't want to be an amateur, whatever that looks like. I don't want to be half-hearted. I want to give this my all because I only got one life to live and I can't afford to mess this up. I can't afford to mess this life up. <clears throat> I posted in the chat. It's a post. And as I've said before, I don't like using the example of hell. I don't like fear-mongering. But it's just an example. And, it, and it's that um, hell is a long time to be wrong. Or is it something like that? Now, I'm not threatening us with hell. If we trust in the Lord Jesus, we're not going there. But eternity, even in heaven, and the rewards we will receive is a long time to be wrong about things in this life. Amen. But nonetheless, my brothers and sisters, God is the God of all comfort. He's the God of compassion. Aren't you happy today that the Lord has compassion on you? That he pulled you out of your misery? Amen. He saved you with an outstretched arm. And even having come to the knowledge of the truth and maybe have reverted back to your sinful lifestyle, the Lord, through his mercy and through his shed blood, has had mercy on your life. <clears throat> the Bible says, As a father has compassion on his children so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him as high as the heavens are above the earth so great is the Lord's love for those who fear him he says for he knows how we are formed he remembers that we are dust hallelujah I love that the Bible says that Jesus was tempted in all points like we yet without sin it says that he is therefore not unable to empathize with our weakness hallelujah his compassions uh, in, uh, enables him to give recognition and not dismiss every single one of your weaknesses. And we all have them. Amen. You have them. I have them. We all have them. That is the natural condition of us as human beings as that is that we're weak but we as believers are those who are actually humble enough to recognize that we are weak and we want something to be done with by it or for it and we want our weakness to be swallowed up by the power of God Amen. swallow up our infirmities to swallow up our limitations to swallow up what we cannot do in ourselves and just like the fire of God that licked up the sacrifice in the water in response to the prayers of Elijah, that the fire of God and the power of God would come down upon us in such a way that would eliminate our limitations of, as human beings. <clears throat> it's possible. It is possible. And that's what God is calling us to. And see, here's the thing. If you are despairing and say, I can't do it, that's a good place to be. It's to say that I can't do it, not to despair. Because, to, see, the first step is this, I can't do it. The second step is hope in God. And that hope is not a misplaced hope. Yeah. 
if you say, here's the thing, it's a despairing thing to say, I can't do it, and continue to look to self. And this is a continual thing I've had to learn through nearly 12 years of walking with the Lord. <coughs> he had to break a lot of things in me. A lot of things. And, and uh, one of the things was self-reliance. Self-dependence. And God has tied my hands behind my back. And has limited me in such a way. And I was tired of the frustration. I said, you know what? I, I surrender. I, because especially those that are strong naturally. And maybe competitive naturally. Have a very gritty mindset naturally. You're used to doing things and doing things very well. God will break that sometimes in us. Because God isn't so concerned about being efficient or being effective as much as he is concerned with being obedient. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> but the God of all compassion, He's compassionate towards you. He He empathizes with your weakness. He doesn't dismiss the weaknesses. Do you know that? He doesn't dismiss them. And you know what? Some people may have invalidated you because of your weaknesses. They may have said, you know, you shouldn't be worried about that. You should you should do this. You should you should think that way. You shouldn't think this way. And they don't understand your struggle. But God does. He doesn't excuse it. He understands it. And he has a solution for it. Amen. Cuz Y'all can say amen. It's not the will of God for us to remain in bondage. It's not the will of God for us to remain in a perpetual state of inability. See, that's the beginning place, is inability. But he comes and supplies for you what you don't have in yourself. Amen. <clears throat> so that now you are able, because Paul did say, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You, you know, I'm sick, um, I have sleep apnea, I'm in a perpetual state of weakness because of it, and it sucks. And so I'd be a liar to say that me getting up and praying is an easy thing to do. I can't. I need God. I need Him. I need Him. Amen. And I say, Lord, quicken me that I may call on your name. Quicken me that I may call. And it sounds like a contradiction because I'm calling on him in order for me to be helped to call on him. Sometimes we are at that place where all we can pray is, Lord, help me. Help me to be helped by you. Amen. Amen. And you know what you have to do is you have to relinquish control. That's that's where faith becomes a problem. 
Is there things that we say, you know what, Lord? It's out of my hands. I'm not going to finesse. I'm not going to try to do anything anymore. It's all on you. And see, some the devil wants to get you to believe that's a scary place. But the Lord wants to convince you and persuade your heart it is the most safest and reliable place to be. <clears throat> There's a song that says, Gentle hands holding on to me. Gentle hands guiding me so carefully. Though he leads me down through paths. I don't always understand. I will have no fear, for I'm in gentle hands. There is no more fear in the Father's hands. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. That's so beautiful. There's no more fear in the Father's hands. (coughs) Continuing forward. uh, Excuse me one second. Y'all blessed? Y'all blessed to know that the Lord is a compassionate, reliable God who comforts us? See, some people don't know that about God because they read the hard things in the scriptures and they're like, how is this possibly comforting? See, comfort's only needed when you need comfort. (laughs) Right? When my son is crying or he's in pain or he's afraid, what do I do as a father? I come and comfort him. But here's the thing. If he don't need comforting, my comfort will be irrelevant to him and then devalued. Ah... See, some of us are praying to get immediately out of a situation that God is wanting us to stay in in order for him to administer his comfort so that you will understand that facet of God that you haven't known before. Amen. See, up until now, you've only known him as deliverer, to deliver you from problems, to deliver you from the pain. And he does. He certainly is a deliverer. But some of us need to be... To, to have our eyes open to understand God as comforter. See, God's administration of comfort is more effective than Vicodin and Oxycontin. God's administration of comfort is greater than uh, Xanax and Klonopin and all these other opioids and all, all these medications that can medicate the flesh. See, there, there is inside of you a spirit man that is impenetrable by the most potent of medications that only the Holy Ghost can reach. Amen. Blessed be God, who had come to the man that was vexed and tormented by a legion of demons that nobody could bind, nobody could help. The local psychiatrist couldn't give him assistance. What he needed was a dose of the Lord's administration of comfort and deliverance. Amen. Amen. <coughs> See, some of you, and I feel the Holy Ghost even now, 
prompting me to say this. Some of you are relying upon systems and things and people and, and all these other things rather than the one who has the answer, who is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Amen. I'm not saying that people don't have their place and you know, and we can, you know, rely upon reliable people in, in, in times. But the point is ultimately the foundation of our help comes from the Lord who is dependable irrespective of the circumstance. Amen. <clears throat> and then what does he say? He says the God of all comfort. He doesn't say the God of some comfort. He's a God of all comfort. So you know what that says? That's suggestive of the fact that despite whatever problem you're in or whatever situation, there is nothing in God that is unable to assist you in your time of need. So is it mental warfare? Is it a relational breakup? Did you get cheated on? Did you get persecuted for the faith? Did you get dropped and rejected? Did you get ostracized? Did you get gossiped about? Did you get stabbed in the back? The God of all comfort, not some comfort, all comfort knows exactly what you need to be what exactly needs to be done and said to you. And he has the solution because he himself is a source. And as the scripture says, he is the great I am. Yeah. Amen, somebody. And guess what? This is what it says next. He says, who comforts us in all our troubles. All of them. What troubles are you going through today? Here's a comforting verse, Psalm 37. Many of the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him from them all. Amen. Hallelujah. <clears throat> so the Lord comforts you in all your troubles? And delivers you from all your troubles. But here's the thing. It may not be when you want it. It may not be how you want it. Amen. But his word is sure. His word is true. And can we be honest? Some of you are still in some trouble. Because the, the, the method of God's deliverance for you is a method you reject because it requires for you to give up some things. And you say, God, what's the problem? And then here comes some angels, you know, swirl, you know, circling down, descending into earth with a present for you, and it's a mirror, and they go right back up. <laughs> 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 he comforts us in all of our troubles with the comfort and he says this so that we can comfort in comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God <clears throat> <clears throat> so this isn't just a self thing. God wants you to comfort other people. Yeah. 
See, yeah, here's the thing. It's easy, because misery loves company, it's easy to comfort other people when you're in the same problem. But what happens when you're out of the problem and you don't want to be bothered? <laughs> Are you going to comfort those in distress? Because let's be honest, it's an, it's an inconvenience. Like, ah, oh, man, I was just trying to... And I was just trying to enjoy my day, right? But that's not the attitude we should have because is that the attitude you want other people to have if you're going through something, right? So we have to walk in love and administer comfort. And you know what? For some of you, it's hard because maybe the way you're raised, your temperaments, and you just want to dismiss people because <clears throat> it's the easier thing to do. But, you know, how, how insensitive would it be if you poured out your heart to someone and laid out your problems and you're like, and you got a response, oh, that sucks. And then, you know, it's it's very sad because sometimes I've seen people in the world, right? Like I'll see two worldly people and one worldly person will confide in the other worldly person and and they'll be like, it, things will get better. It's like, how do you know that? <laughs> it's shallow comfort. It's just, it's not comfort. It's delusion. And basically, they're telling the person that the Titanic won't sink. That the iceberg they see is not an iceberg. And they're playing the violins on the Titanic. That's what they're doing. <laughs> I know some people hate these analogies because they sound insulting. But, I mean, what do you expect? I'm not going to accept the counsel of the world. It's trash. It just keeps people in bondage. The co the counsel is the counsel of the Lord. That's the counsel we are to receive. That's the only counsel that works. Amen, somebody. And it's not rocket science. Amen. It's sure. It's true. And many times, brothers and sisters, it is simple counsel. It is simple counsel from the Lord that you need. You don't need to hop the uh, hop through hoops. You don't need to, you know, uh, you know, jump on your foot, one, you know, on one foot and spin around in three circles. You don't got to do all that stuff. It's just very simple. Turn to the Lord. Continuing forward, we'll be coming to a close here shortly. <coughs> it says this. For just as we share, uh, just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. And so he's saying, "Look, just as the sufferings abound, he says, so do the comfort." See, you don't. God doesn't just allow you to go through stuff without any aid or supplementation. Okay. Amen. Remember even Jesus in the days of his flesh The Bible says he was strengthened by angels <clears throat> I know although we're unable to see it I am convinced that there are many times We're strengthened by angels and we don't even realize it 
Does it not say in the word of the Lord, I think in Psalm 34, the angel of the Lord encamps around them that fear God? They encamp around. What does it mean to encamp? It's a military term. They got some bows ready. They got a sword right ready to fight on your behalf. Hallelujah. I wonder if Joe Osteen will preach that. Hey, it's comforting for you. It may not be for your enemies, but it's comforting for you. Amen. If the devil backs up his minions and his boyfriend, Amen. Amen. <laughs> do you think that God isn't going to back you up? <laughs> All right, let, let's get through this. <clears throat> For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. So Paul is saying, look, we are distressing ourselves. We're going through a lot of affliction to preach the word. And he says, if we are distressed, it's for your comfort. Okay? And then what he says from that point forward, he says this. He says, if we are comforted, it is for your comfort. So whether Paul is distressed or comforted, the Corinthians are comforted. If he is distressed, it's for their comfort. How? Because he's bringing them the word. He's bringing them uh, resources in the spirit. He's imparting to them. And it's not an easy access to go to Corinth. Because Paul says, look, we're in danger every hour. We're in peril here, in peril there. We got, uh, 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 we're, we're fasting. We're, you know, many sleepless nights and so on and so forth. And so if we're distressed, it's, it's for your comfort. But if we're comforted, it's also for your comfort. Why? The Bible says rejoice with those who rejoice. So if you're comforted, I'm also comforted by that. Because I don't want you to suffer. Right? I don't want you to go through hell. If God is comforting you and God is strengthening you, God is giving you um, aid, that is something that brings delight to my heart. Amen. And that's why Paul says we were comforted at the coming of Titus. Or he says, you know, there was a, an individual that was well nigh to death, but God had mercy, and they, they were thereby greatly comforted. Because God had not allowed for this person whom they were praying for to die. Right? <clears throat> and he says this. He says, um, he says, if we are comforted, it is for your comfort which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. So you want to know why some of you are not enduring? It's because you're not being comforted by God. You don't come to him for comfort. And you wonder why you can't patiently endure. Because you can't rely on yourself without any aid from God from A to B. You can't just keep being afflicted without any form of comfort and expect that you're going to endure. You need to tap into the resources that God has for you and to draw out from Him the comfort He has available to you. Amen. For example, I remember when I broke my arm. I broke my wrist. I fell off like a five-foot ramp. You know, trying to <laughs> skate. And, um, well, they had given me morphine. That enabled me to patiently endure, even though it just scratched the surface. But it helped me to do what I couldn't, maybe I couldn't have otherwise done. 
Amen? And some of you, you know, the devil is talking your prayer life. You're Right when you get to prayer, you get distracted, and you don't end up successfully praying. And, and you know, I, I remember I was just, last night I was praying, and the enemy wanted me to think about some, some little chore, some little thing I had to do. I'm like, no, why didn't, why wasn't that a thought in my head before? Just any way that either gets you believe that prayer don't work or get you derailed, get you distracted or, or have someone, you know, blow up your phone or have some scammers or whatever it is to derail you because the devil knows if he can't get you to backslide by, by, you know, putting sin in your path, he's going to do it indirectly by cutting out your prayer life. Because he knows if he can do that, you will have no strength to say no to sin. You will have no strength to continue to endure. And so what does he do? He doesn't directly say, hey, here's, here's a crack pipe, or you know, go sleep with this girl, or go sleep with that guy, or go, do, go get a, a drink a bottle of liquor. No, he just says, hey, you can, you can just miss out on prayer today. You don't have to pray. You know, after all, God knows you're busy and you have to work and, you know, you got mouths to feed. You're tired. Isn't that how it turns out? And then one day turns into a second day. Second day turns into a third. And then what happens is it becomes a habit. And before you know it, you can't watch and pray so that you will not enter into temptation. Remember, Jesus said to Peter, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. He fell three times. And what did he do? He renounced the Lord three times. Is that not a sign? Hey, look, brothers and sisters, people don't backslide overnight. They don't backslide overnight. That might be a comfort to some of you because you're like, man, I'm thinking like I can just hop in out of Christ like just real quick. (laughs) But it don't work that way. It's these it's the little foxes that destroy the vineyard. If the devil can't get you with these huge things, he's going to he's going to make it very, very small. And then once he got that little crevice, he'll continue to expand it like leaven. Amen. See, some of you guys, worldly movies today will turn into pornography next month. How about this? Going to see a brother or sister whom you're not married to at their house today will turn into sex two weeks from now. So instead of giving into your flesh, allow the Lord to comfort you so that it can produce that patient endurance. We're almost done.
And he says, verse 7, And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our suffering, so also you share in our comfort. So Paul is saying, look, we have hope in you guys. We have hope that you're not going to backslide. Because even though you're suffering, you're going through problems, the Lord is administering his comfort to you. And we believe that comfort will anchor you. It will secure you. You know, if you real quickly turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 5 through 10. Again, 1 Thessalonians chapter... <clears throat> yeah. You know, interesting story about that. I don't know what the laws look like in Europe. But here in America, <coughs> we have these laws. I don't know all the legalities and the technical language for it. But for the most part, if you allow someone to stay in your house over a certain period of time and they unpack everything, you allow them to live for a short period of time, after a certain while, you just can't kick them out. You, you can't If you call the cops and say, I want this person out of my house, you can't do that legally. It becomes a civil matter. And um, <clears throat> there is this couple that helped... <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know, man. I think Christians are sometimes the most naive people. They let this homeless man come into their house. And I see now like a video. And then, uh, you know, they had a condition like, hey, we're going to help you for a month. And then... Well, anyways, at the end of the month, he wasn't doing nothing. He wasn't working. He was eating the food and all that. And they called the cops. They couldn't kick him out. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I, I just... It's not funny, but it's funny to me. And it's its only funny because... Jesus said, be wise as serpents. Don't be gullible. Man. Don't be gullible. And sometimes we have to learn the hard way. We have to learn the hard way. <clears throat> but this is what the word says. It says, um, For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter had tempted you and that our labors might have been in vain. <clears throat> But Timothy just has now come to us from you and has brought us good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we also long to see you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress, just like his distress in Corinthians, in persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. Okay, so Paul is saying, man, I, I, we long to see you, we love you guys so much, so that even we got our problems, the fact that you're still remaining firm in Christ, even though you're going through afflictions, that is our comfort. He says, for now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again. And supply what is lacking in your faith. But nonetheless, Paul is saying, look, we are afraid that the tempter had tempted you and our labor be in vain. So what is he saying? That, <clears throat> that 
you you were walking with the Lord, you were doing good, and the devil came and then knocked you out of the way. He got you to go back. Right? But they were trusting in the living God. And Paul was therefore comforted that they weren't going back to their old and sinful ways. They weren't going back to the idols that they had turned their backs on. <clears throat> because my brothers and sisters, if you're not careful, Jesus will become a disappointment to you. If you're not careful, Jesus will offend your heart because of what sometimes you allow into your life. And you'll say, God, why? No, God was trying to tell you to avoid that. There are some things that God is trying to get you today to avoid. Because it's only going to create problems for you in the long run. <clears throat> oh, how we need the Holy Ghost. You and I, we don't know everything. So we must rely on the counsel of the one who does. Amen. The Lord knows the end from the beginning. He knows the outcome. You may not understand why he says, hey, don't get married yet. You may not understand why he has said, you know, you can't move just yet. You may not understand why certain things are not happening in your life. But the God who knows all understands perfectly well why he's prevented you from continuing forward. It's a love and it's a mercy. Amen, somebody. Amen. And what does the devil want to do? He wants to get you to blame God. Get you to blame him. <clears throat> Look at Adam. He blamed God. It was this woman you gave me. Look at Job. Well, his wife was trying to get him to blaspheme God. Because she's like, God's the problem. But the devil was at work the whole time. You know, um, <clears throat> there's this individual I know. He He's into gangs and stuff. And uh, he said he prays that his anxiety would leave. But he won't surrender. Amen. You can't pray away certain things that only obedience can unlock for you. Surrender. Amen. Repentance. Doing it God's way, not your way. How many of you want to do it God's way? <coughs> but let me tell you, the weeping may endure for that night. But be encouraged because joy... Is promised to come in the morning. But here's the thing. If you do it your way, there will seem to be a joy in the morning. But oh, how long will that night of sorrow be that comes after? <clears throat> I 
Okay, so, and then Paul says here, look, we don't want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experience in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired of life itself. See, look, um, <clears throat> some of us are like, brother, you don't understand. Like, I'm stressed out or I'm busy. I can't do this. I can't pray. That's that's an excuse. I don't mean to be insensitive. I don't mean to be, you know, harsh. But the fact of the matter is, look at what Paul, he says, look, we, we didn't even know if we were going to live. Right? But some of us, you know, you got just, you, your belly is just a pinched, a pinched a little bit in your stomachs. Right? Or maybe your mouth is a little bit of dry because you had to pray over an hour. Right? Come on, y'all can talk back. See, serving God in growth isn't always going to be easy for you. See, if Paul dealt with pressure, you're going to deal with pressure too. If you're, if Paul dealt with some of these things, I'm not saying that our lives will look like his, but the fact of the matter is, is that it, it, it requires something from us. And Paul says, look, we don't want you to be ignorant of our trial that came to us in Asia. We were so burdened beyond our ability to endure. See, if right now you're saying, I cannot endure this, I can't do this, then it's the exact place that God, most more, than, more often than not, wants you to be so you can look away from self. Amen. You say, I can't give her up, or I can't give this up. Yes, you can. Through Christ, you can. Through God's help, you can. I can't endure conviction. Yes, you can. Through Christ, you can. I can't do His will. Yes, He can. Yes, you can. Through Christ, you can. Through the Holy Ghost, you can. Amen. And he says, indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But why? He says, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. So look at my brothers and sisters. Take note of this. <clears throat> Every example of faith. Look at, look at Joseph. He was thrown in a, in, in a, uh, in a prison. And what did he have? He had a vision that his brothers were going to come down and bow before him. Did it look like any of that was happening? Do you think he could have finessed his way out of prison? No, he was there to rot unless God came in and swooped him up and delivered him. Look at Abraham. His body is good as dead. Sarah's womb is good as dead. There is nothing that could be done about it. Do you think that they could have... Uh, 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 done anything humanly speaking? No, the Bible makes it very clear. Their body was good as dead. Their solution was to rely on the God who raises the dead. Some of you say my children are beyond the point of redemption. So, some of you say my parents are beyond the point of redemption. Some of you saying there are things that are absolutely impossible in my life. But this is only an occasion for the God that has a mighty outstretched arm to come in and demonstrate to you his power and his faithfulness. Yeah. 
Amen. See, the problem is you just want to sprinkle a little bit of Jesus with your self-help, and that doesn't work. You have to come to the point to where you say, my body is as good as dead. This was far beyond my ability to endure. I cannot do this. I need to rely on the God who raises the dead. Our God is still raising dead things. And some of you today, my brothers and sisters, may have hearts that are dead, that are callous, that are hard, are apathetic, waning in spiritual fervor and zeal, losing your first love, wondering if you could ever get back to the place in which you were. I'm here to say today that it's possible through Christ. In verse 10, uh, last two verses, well actually that's the last verse. (coughs) He has delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. So in other words, Paul's saying, look, that trial that came to us in Asia, we didn't think we were going to make it, but God came through and he delivered us. And you know what? He will deliver us again. Isn't that an interesting thing? Because at first he didn't know that he was going to be delivered. It wasn't until God manifested that God had delivered him this first time around. He then has the uh, strength to say, by faith, he will do it again. He didn't know previously. He knows now. And he says, but, he says, on him, not on situations, not on circumstances, not on people, but on him we have set our hope. And he says that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. So your deliverance (coughs) is not going to come without you praying. And in some occasions it's not going to come without collected prayer. Amen. And this is why again and again I continue to emphasize our need to pray. I'm not a broken record. Um, I could, and I'm not going to, I'm not into embarrassing people or anything like that, but I'm sure if I were to ask, how is your life of prayer? And please don't give me hands. I don't want anyone to embarrass themselves. I'm not into that stuff. Um, But I'm sure some of you say, you know what? I've been slacking off very bad. It's not where I should be. And some of you will feel the presence of God in our meetings and then you go home and you don't feel him for like the first five minutes and you you stop. That's not a way to pray. Amen. That same presence, look my brothers and sisters, every day on rare, uh, with the exception of some rare occasions, I feel the presence of God every single day. Every day. 
and I will stay there. It ain't because I'm special, like, oh, he just favors Brother Greg. No, it's because of faith. And what is faith? It's not this easy believism. It's I'm going to stay here until God, you strengthen me because I cannot do this on myself. I cannot continue through this day. And you know what? Sometimes when I'm pressed for time and I did pray and I still, I, I, I'll drive to work. I'm still praying in tongues, 30 minute commute, praying in tongues, praying in tongues, praying in tongues. God, give me wisdom, give me strength, give me power, give me anointing, just driving, just driving. I don't care, I'm still praying in the Holy Ghost. And then, you know, if there's there's no staff looking at me, I'm walking through the halls, I'm praying in tongues underneath my breath. I need the Holy Ghost. Because I'm leaking throughout the day. When I go home, I'm praying in tongues on my way home. When I go to the bathroom break, I'm praying in tongues. Uh, everywhere I'm going, if I have little pockets of time, I'm praying. Because you know why? I know there's a devil on the prowl trying to get me, trying to take me out. <clears throat> and look, I need y'all to get this. Stop thinking, oh, that's just me. No, make a practice of it in your lives. And before you know it, you will live on eagle's wings. And it won't be a struggle for you anymore. I'm not saying there won't be times <coughs> that is more difficult than others, but it will be so much easier than before for you to pray. Amen, somebody. And this is why I might get annoying to some of you. And it's fine. I know it's an annoying thing to continue to be prodded. But it's because I love you guys and I don't want you to succumb to the flesh, to become weak believers, and to be taken out. This is what motivates my continual prodding. Because I know that it has to be anchored in your life has to. It's non-negotiable. Amen? Amen. And so, as, as, as we close, let me just give you a couple of tips. <coughs> some of you have to throw on some soaking music, some worship music. Okay? Some of you have to throw some of that on. You know, here's a here's a good method that I use sometimes, because um, sometimes I'm just having an off day, and and I can't just sit in the chair doing nothing, and like just pray, because my mind will race a thousand places, and so sometimes I'll take a shower in the morning, and so I'm I'm praying in tongues, right? So I'm already engaging in spiritual activity, but I'm showering, I'm doing stuff. So that I don't feel like I'm completely idle to where I gain enough strength in prayer. And so that when I do come and sit on my seat, I'm already in the spirit. Does that make sense? So it's about manipulating the flesh to yield better results so that it don't get the better of you. And be creative. If you have to do something, if that means walk around, because here's the thing, I believe that you should have a specific, specified time where you're focused and concentrated. And, you know, 
I, I, I'm all for praying, you know, going to the grocery store and praying meanwhile, but you, you need a consecrated time to where everything, all the noise is out. And so you might have to walk a lap around your house or around the neighborhood, getting some fresh air, praying, praying, God help me, Lord, help me. Pray. And so that way you're already engaging the spiritual activity, but the flesh also is an idol. So now you're elevating that spiritual, uh, the spiritual bubbles, it's bubbling up. So that when you do return back to your house, you're already in the spirit. Does that make sense? <clears throat> Okay, so um, 